This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello again. Happy New Year's to everyone. I hope 2016 was a year of growth fun and learning. And if it was only one or two out of those three, that's okay. It was a pretty weird year. So this is a really exciting episode. It involves both reality and virtual reality, inspired entrepreneurs, agency growth, new technology, specialization, and bold marketing. Matthew Martin of Immersive VR in the UK joins us to talk about how he grew a successful virtual reality-based studio with a small investment, smart people, and a 360-degree vision. Even if you've never put on a VR headset and never planned to, Matt's story shows how embracing cutting-edge technology can put your agency in a class all its own. After the show, be sure to check out Immersive VR online at immersivevr.co.uk to learn more about Matt's company. Also, be sure to visit the Creative Agency Podcast website. You know that one, right? Creativeagencypodcast.com. Drop me a line, leave a comment on an episode, or check out the growing list of agency resources on our agency resources page. All right, let's get to the interview. Hello out there. I'm here with Matt Martin of Immersive VR. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, Chris. Nice to uh, speak to you on here. Um, You're actually my first international guest. Uh, Where are you located exactly? Uh, We're based in a city called Norwich, which is in the east of England. So we're, um, everyone always says, oh, you're from London. We're not from London. We're from Norwich, which is about an hour and 40 outside of of, um, London. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you're definitely our first guest from Norwich. It's great. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever been interviewed for Norwich internationally ever. So, <laughs> so this is a first, a world first. <laughs> so, Matt, you run a virtual reality VR focused creative agency. And, you know, honestly, before we spoke, I, I didn't realize that there was such thing as a VR agency. Are there many other VR agencies out there? There's there's a few springing up now. I mean, we've been going for um, just under two years now. Um, we kind of got in there just, you know, riding the crest of the wave, I suppose, getting a little bit ahead of the curve with it. So it was good timing on our part. I think a few months ago when I did a little bit of research, there's probably maybe 10 VR-focused agencies that only do VR as their specialism in the UK. There's a few more in the States. There's some really good ones um, in New York, a few in LA uh, who are putting out some good work. Um, Then you've got the likes of Oculus uh, who were kind of driving this from a hardware point of view and they have their own internal studios as well, which are doing some really good stuff. But now at the moment, there aren't, aren't a huge amount. Gotcha. Can you explain a little bit about what a VR agency does? I mean, I think a lot of people probably think of VR in terms of video games because that's a lot of what you see on TV and stuff. But what what does your agency really do? Okay, so we we have three core um, services. So they're virtual reality, um, augmented reality, and 360-degree video. So VR being fully interactive virtual reality experiences. You put on a headset, you can interact with objects, you can move around an environment, you can look under things, you can look around things. So that's kind of what the traditional term for VR is. Um, We do augmented reality. So that's uh, 
augmenting things into the real world. And if someone isn't really sure what that is, they've probably heard of Pokemon Go, which is kind of a quite a basic use of, of AR, um, but it's probably the one that's had the most um, airtime as far as uh, um, promotion goes recently. Um, so that's augmenting things into the real world that you can then view um, either using something like a professional piece of kit like the Microsoft HoloLens, or you can use your smartphone or a, a tablet device. And then we do 360 degree video production as well. So that's using special cameras that film everything all at once in all directions. And then you watch it either using, a, again, a, a, a VR headset or viewing it on your mobile device. Uh, Facebook and YouTube, they both support 360 video. And I'd be pretty surprised these days, with especially with your listeners, if, if they haven't spotted a 360 video just yet. But yeah, there, there are three services. And then on top of that, we do uh, supporting services as well. So kind of the distribution end of it. So if somebody needs a, an app built that supports 360 content, we will build those apps from the ground up. Um, or maybe just a 360 video player for someone to host on their website. We'll build that from scratch as well. Cool. Could you describe sort of like a recent project that you guys have worked on? Yeah. So it's very, it's quite diverse. I mean, if we take um, one from each of those uh, services that we do. So VR, we're working with um, Ericsson mm -hmm. at the moment on a big project. So Ericsson, who used to formerly were um, Sony Ericsson, uh, now they... Uh, control a lot of the world's cell tower technology. We're doing a project for those guys, which is a fully interactive VR experience, um, which is actually going to help teachers in developing world countries to um, to teach better. So they'll put on a headset and they will be in front of a classroom, um, an animated classroom. Um, they can interact with the students. Uh, they go through a lesson as they would in real life. Um, our system uses the built-in microphone in the headset to monitor the variation and the tone in their voice, uh, making sure that they're speaking loud enough so that everyone in the class can hear, uh, making sure using head tracking that they're um, looking at people across the whole of the classroom and not just focusing on one area, for example. And then at the end of that, it basically quickly puts together a report and then it gives them feedback to tell them how well they're doing. So it's quite an innovative tool, especially as it's going to parts of the world where some some people, um, you know, have only ever had a few minutes use on a, on a computer, for example. Um, we're actually going to be putting them in a VR headset. So quite crazy, really. Wow. Yeah, so that, that's quite a, it's quite a big project, um, and it's a great initiative, so we're really pleased to be a part of that. Through to 360 video, so for example, we did a piece um, fairly recently that was really successful for um, West Ham United, who are a Premier League soccer team over here. They wanted kind of an experiential engagement piece for fans. Um, they were moving out of their old stadium where they've been for close to 100 years, moving into a new stadium, and they wanted to kind of digitally archive that place, uh, but in a really engaging way. So we did a narrative VR piece, which was voiced by um, a well-known British actor, Ray Winston. Um, he's a big West Ham fan. And it basically took you on a journey from the center of the pitch. You went into the changing room. You actually got to walk out of the tunnel uh, with West Ham and Manchester United Football Club um, and onto the pitch. And it kind of took you on a nice journey and, and did it in a nice kind of storytelling way. And uh, that's had, I think, more, I think they said it's more engagement than any other video they've ever put out on their Facebook channel before. So that's quite a, quite a success. Wow. Yeah. So so I imagine that VR being, you know, relatively young, have you found it hard to find people who are experts in this? Uh, from a recruitment point of view? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we started off with three of his. Uh, we were fairly new to ourselves, I suppose, because it was quite a new... It, although the technology, VR, in, in some shape or form, has been around for decades now. You know, there used to be VR headsets in, in arcades um, back in the early 90s. They were hideous. They were terrible. You know, you'd put a headset on and find yourself flying with pterodactyls through, I don't know, some kind of spacey environment. Uh, but the experience itself would be so badly done and there'd be so much latency that when you move your head and the image didn't move correctly, it would make you throw up, basically. So um, <laughs> things have moved on, um, thankfully, quite a lot since then. And the three of us that got together, you know, my background is in sales and marketing, um, kind of with a digital spin, really been doing that work in agencies for kind of 15 or 16 years now. And I'd only had limited experience in VR, just kind of playing around on a headset, playing on games and things. Whereas my business partner, James, who's also our, our technical director, um, he'd already been developing for, for quite a while with this stuff. Um, and he kind of wanted to move out from his uh, previous agency and do something different. And we were like, let's just, you know, let's set up a VR agency. We, we know that it's going to be a big thing coming within the next couple of years. So let's get ahead of that curve. Let's get some good creds and some good projects under our belt. So we set it up um, and knew of a guy locally, a good friend of ours, who was kind of a traditional 3D animator and modeler. So he'd been working kind of on architectural visualizations for about 15 years, and it kind of worked quite well. Uh, James had the technical expertise, Steve knew how to model out the environments, and I could then, I knew how to sell them. So um, it's kind of a good team. And then, and then moving forward, I mean, our team is now, there's 11 of us now, and no one else that's joined the team since then has kind of had a long history in VR or 360 video or AR. They've kind of come from, um, I suppose, sideways from other other sectors. So video production, I mean, if, if someone can use uh, After Effects and they can use, uh, get their head around the way that... Um, 360 environments work you know they can animate and they can create good video for it or if someone's a, a good camera op and they know what they're doing from a filming point of view and they're good at editing with a little bit of training from us um and giving them some of our suppose secret recipes in how to do this stuff they <laughs> they can kind of make the make the switch as well so it's, it's basically some of the, a lot of the skills are adaptable is, is what i'm trying to say i suppose um but yeah and we're lucky we've got a brilliant team now you know it's um said so to find 11 as well nine other people who are really interested in this stuff and getting them away from maybe bigger agencies to come and work for a startup um, is, yeah, it's, it's working well so far. And you actually, you started an agency previously, correct? Yeah, I was, uh, I was out in, I moved to France, God, too many years ago, it was at 2009, and uh, because my wife had a, got a job in Switzerland, so we were kind of living on the border. Couldn't afford to live in Switzerland, so we just used to drive across the border every day. And while I was there, I met uh, an, another English guy who owned a media group, and they already had a radio station. They um, liked the idea of setting up a digital studio, but didn't really know where to start. So in I came and, uh, and did that for them, so developed the business along with Peter, who... Um, who owned the media group and sort of got some successful clients on board, uh, some large clients quite quickly. A lot of the United Nations um, departments are based there in Geneva, along with a lot of NGOs. Then you've got big corporates like Nestle and DuPont and had good success with those. So we managed to, to grow that studio quite quickly. Um, and I think there were... 10 people when I left um, and they were doing quite well financially I think um, so um, unfortunately I wasn't a shareholder in that business so I was, I was just an employed hired gun to make it work uh, so 
I didn't get I didn't get rich from it. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, but but it was it was great. I mean, I owe a lot of thanks to Peter. Really, it was kind of he's he's been successful in business, working in creative industries, um, and it was it was kind of like a really well paid apprenticeship, I suppose. Uh, so I, I came out of that knowing how to set up a business and and run a creative studio and how to sell creative services in a really effective way. Um, so making the step across into something a little bit more specialized um, didn't seem like so much of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long has uh, Immersive VR been around now? Uh, it's come up to 20 months, I think, just about. Yep, so we, we set up in May 2015. Actually, it was a crazy week. We set the business up and incorporated it three days before my my daughter was born. That's my first child, so it's been quite a crazy time. But um, <laughs> yeah. well, we, so we we moved back from France to England. Uh, we had a little girl, and I set up a business all in the space of about four weeks. So it was a. Uh, wow. I just don't. I don't do things by halves. You know, you might as well just do them all at once and only have the one worry. I suppose. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. But no, it's luckily moving back, having a little girl and setting up a business has all been good so far. So I can't complain. That's pretty fast growth for, for 20 months to be where you are already. Did you, you must've been taking on clients right from the get go. I think it was about eight or nine months before we landed our first client. Um, we kind of knew that we needed to do a lot of R and D internally um we need to iron out some of these problems that people mention about vr you know a lot of, a lot of the times you speak to someone and say have you have you experienced anything in vr before and the kind of default answer is yeah i used one of those cardboard things and i rode this roller coaster and it made me feel really ill you know just like a ter- terrible experience so we're like okay well forget that that's not vr um let's tell you a little bit about proper vr and i think it was a lot of it was then education so um i just hit the phones quite hard just calling up companies that I really wanted to work with. We thought there's no point going after small businesses first. Let's just go after the big businesses that we really want to have as uh, part of our, our cred stack. And um, we spoke with uh, Yamaha Music International, so the world's largest uh, musical instrument manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And being a drummer myself, I kind of really wanted to work with their drum department. So we came up with a proof of concept piece, a kind of uh, quite a rapid prototype and tool, uh, which we called them up about. And it was quite funny because I, I phoned a different company just before I called them because I couldn't get through to them. There was a guy wasn't answering the phone. So I called someone else and spoke to them, had exactly the same conversation, but the company just said, no, nah, I really don't get it. I, I don't think it's for us. Um, no, we're not interested called these guys, called Yamaha, had the same conversation, and they were so excited by the possibilities. So, you know, it goes to show the difference in, I suppose, um, foresight of, uh, of different companies. Had a meeting with them, uh, showed them our, our proof of concept piece, and um, they were like, yes, we want to do this. So it was kind of, that's the way we had to do it, you know. If we were to just go in and kind of explain it, I don't think they'd have got it. It was a, it's one of those things, VR, once you've seen it and you've seen something good, then um, you instantly understand the um, potential and uh, and a lot of marketing people then understand the potential quite easily and want to find out how they can use it for their brand so yeah Yamaha came on board up after about eight or nine months and then just since then it just went crazy <laughs> just um yeah uh, I think m- I, I would say 90% of the brands that we called wanted to meet and then out of those yeah you'd probably say again another maybe 50 or 60% of them were kind of on board and wanted to get a live project on the go straight away so you know it's it's not every day they receive a call from a VR company so I think they kind of find it intriguing and uh 
and are at least willing to to have the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that that's so amazing because I'm sure most agencies, ours included, you know, think that like, oh, cold calling, you know, we're going to get about uh, 1% <laughs> return phone calls on that to say 90% of the people you talk to are, you know, wanting to engage with you. It is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think, I think that's the thing when, you know, if you're offering something different and especially when it was... Um, before they start to run TV campaigns for things like the Samsung Gear VR, which um, I imagine they're running those ads in the US as well as over here in the UK. Um, but, you know, they're, they're really pushing the tech now. It makes it easier. You ring somebody and you, you start to talk to them about VR and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I saw the Samsung ad. I understand what that stuff is. Or my son has got an HTC Vive. He's a big video gamer. Or, you know, oh, I went to a trade show and so-and-so was using uh, VR to promote their products. Um when we set up to start with that stuff just wasn't visible so there was so much education you know the phone calls were sometimes a little bit awkward but we kind of thought okay we're a new business we don't really have any solid projects under our belts to talk about so it's a case of old-fashioned <laughs> getting past the gatekeepers to the right people in a business and then just having a conversation and you know if you're creative enough with the way that you sell then I think you can have good success I think if you're more of a so as a rounded digital agency, it's a little bit more difficult because you're going to be calling people that maybe already have relationships and already have a you know a solid uh, relationship, maybe even a contract in place with another agency. Whereas with, with VR, that's just not the case. Um, you know, no one has a preferred supplier of VR just yet, or, or very few companies do. So we're finding that at the moment we're able to be that person. So it's yeah, it's oh, really cool. good. That's a very good argument for uh, agencies to embrace emerging technologies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, as long as they don't all get into VR, then we'll be in trouble. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it's it's definitely the way. I think um, this is one of those things, you know, coming from quite a strong sales background myself, uh, started off in, you know, working for a radio station on a, on the sales side before getting into creative. You know, it's it's about not being afraid to tell someone what your USP is. Just make sure you've got one before you get on the phone, you know, because otherwise you'll get in trouble when they ask you why you're different to everybody else. But yeah, I think sometimes that, that old school direct sales approach can work. So um, yeah, we, we've had success with it. Now, I know that, you know, a lot of times creative agencies, they sort of begin, you know, uh, there's a freelancer and he's got a laptop and some design skills or some coding skills. With something like VR, it seems like you probably need to make more of an upfront investment for equipment and stuff like that. Did you have to invest in a lot to start out? To get going, yeah. Um, we were set up with a, a third equal partner who was a private investor. Um, we didn't go for a huge amount to start with. Um, I kind of budgeted quite well and put together our, our business plan um, and pitch deck. Took it to this investor who thankfully said yes showed it to him he doesn't have a background in tech he's very very comes from a, a completely different background but he he loved the idea of it and i think he loved the passion that we had for it and because we were kind of stacking it up with facts around how much facebook had just bought oculus for you know mm -hmm. and how much money google are investing in this stuff you know it's kind of got him a little bit excited um so we raised Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which is about, I think, about three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars at the current exchange rate. We only actually drew down on about sixty or seventy percent of that because we we started to turn cash positive quite quickly, and our startup costs were actually quite minimal. There were three of us, 
Um, you know, so quite small salaries to pay. Um, beyond that, it was just equipment. And at the start, apart from the computers that we needed to do the coding on and a laptop for me to work on, there weren't many VR headsets on the market. There weren't many 360 cameras on the market. So it was kind of buying up the small bits of tech that we could use in order to be able to build out our prototypes and then spending some money cleverly on a little bit of marketing, but um, nothing too huge. And that was enough to get us going. You know, you, you hear of companies like, um, you know, like Magic Leap who are raising billions and billions and billions obviously they're more of a i suppose a tech startup than we are they're they're producing the the hard the hardware and things so you obviously you need that level of investment but um yeah i'm quite proud really of how well we've done from such a small amount of investment in the first place it's a uh, you know, I suppose it is. It's not far off from, like you say, the, the the freelancer in the coffee shop with his laptop, and then building it up organically. We've kind of done the same because we've we've turned a profit already, and we've had now had four consistent profitable months. So yeah, the investor's happy, I think, That's great. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he's not complaining yet. And then you know, it, it eases the pressure a little bit for for us. So we're um, we're able to kind of focus on doing the good work and not worrying about how we're going to pay salaries next month, which is, you know, always a, a potential issue. Um, you said you spent a little bit on marketing. What did you guys do? Um, it was kind of, we did a a few events that we turned up at. So kind of trade show events, having a stand, um, networking events. It, it was more around kind of paying to be part of these, some of these, <laughs> not really exclusive clubs, but, um, you know, like there's the kind of chamber of commerce type approach where you get a direct link then into businesses. Um, we didn't do any advertising as such. Um, we kind of did some stuff on Facebook. So we're quite uh, quite strong with that when it comes to promoting our case studies and promoting anything that we've done, basically. We'll chuck some spend at it on Facebook and do some direct kind of targeted marketing and that works really well for us you know if you want to get the views on your show reel up then throw some money at facebook because it'll help you know it, it really does work i mean we did a, a video with machine head who you may have heard of mm -hmm. band metal band um for, from california and um, we did a video for those guys a live video um, back in march and that was published so a month or so ago um put a tiny bit of spend behind that just to see how it would go organically and it got so many shares um thousands of shares and pushed the views up over like 100 and, i think it was over 120,000 in 7 days or something um and we find that that kind of thing with a small amount of spend you know maybe put about maybe like $150 or something into that but it's um that's promoted quite well we've actually had some uh, some contact back via uh, people that have seen that video as well so yeah, it's a little bit different. You can't go down the usual traditional marketing channels with what we do, that's for sure. So I'm curious, what does a pitch look like for a client for, for VR? Are you bringing you know, VR headsets in and giving people the sort of experience or how do you sort of present to a client? It depends on how the meeting's been set up, I suppose. If we've been, if we're going completely cold and we've never met the person before, then uh, generally what we'll do is we have our, our kind of... Uh, overview presentation that we show which kind of gives them a bit of a background into what VR is where it came from how it can be used which is a really useful slide and that's the one that gets everybody excited because as you mentioned earlier you know a lot of people think oh VR they think video games so when we're telling them they can use this as a you know a digital channel in its own right and there are so many possibilities for it they start to get excited once we've shown them that presentation normally they're um 
you can see that the cogs are spinning and they're and they're kind of thinking up ideas of how they can use it for their brand already we then normally show them something on a headset because that's just the best way once they put a headset on and they start playing around and whether it's looking at an experience that we've done or just watching our um, kind of show reel that's the moment they take the headset off and say yeah okay we've got to have this for our brand this is super cool and we try to i suppose say to people yeah don't see it as a gimmick it's not yes it's quirky and it's fun but it can actually be a extremely powerful marketing tool if it's used correctly so you know most projects that we do have a real kind of marketing and sales backbone to them we want people to get a return on their investment because we want them to have something else done in the future with us of course so yeah but, but i mean that's that's generally it really a, a presentation and then show them something it, that's if it's completely cold then if we're going in kind of uh, i suppose in a, a part of a tender pitch and um going up against other agencies then we will do traditional storyboards so we have some really good illustrators in-house so if we're doing um, any kind of experience it will be illustrated in a traditional storyboard fashion um, with kind of your your script snippets and uh, directions underneath to get them excited about an idea sometimes you find that people understand it easier when they're seeing something just flat on a piece of paper than if you show them something in a headset because they don't understand it they think it's witchcraft <laughs> so you know how can that video be all the way around me you know that's kind of the response you get so um but yeah that kind of storyboard approach and then telling the story it's all about the creative the creative led cell with this stuff as it is with you know with video or web or mobile um you just have to get someone excited about an idea and um yeah we're, we're quite good at that because we're excited about these ideas so uh it definitely uh, rub, rubs off on the other people as well. Doing this, the storyboards and sort of the the sort of idea presentations, it it probably takes a lot of upfront work. So you're investing a lot sort of in a project before you even get the project. Yeah, sometimes um, we have clients who, I mean, luckily for us, they kind of they buy into the whole vision. They understand what it is we're going to do for them um, in the way that we set it up. Um, perhaps they've seen something that we've done um, before where they're thinking, yeah, I kind of want something like that. I want something with that impact. And then it's not so bad because they're more willing to sign on the dotted line and kind of then trust that what you're going to then start to put together in the research phase will work for them um, and do what they want you to do. Uh, whereas, yeah, other clients who just don't get it, you know, we um, working with a couple of pharmaceutical businesses and they're often quite traditional with their approach sort of in the way that they market their businesses and we've 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 done storyboards we've mocked up some 360 environments to show them just because the the projects are, it's worth doing it up front with what we're doing you know it might be a week's worth of time for the for the creatives in the studio to draw up this stuff and model out these things but um the reward at the end if the client says uh, yeah we want to move ahead is then well worth it um i suppose that's Going back to your previous question about marketing, I suppose that's where our spend has been more than anywhere. It's probably more an internal cost to um, to win business rather than, um, you know, getting campaign stuff out in, in into people's faces. I'm sure it's a pretty wide range, but how much does a VR project usually cost? <sighs> anywhere from, I mean, if I we're going on experience of what we've done, anywhere from $25,000 up to um, probably $200,000. $200,000 would be around like the biggest project that we've done to date. But there are, you know, a, a, on average, I'd say around the kind of 50 to anywhere between 50 and $70,000 is an average project mm -hmm. cost. Seems kind of reasonable considering the uh, the technology that you guys are using and, and probably the, the wow factor for brands that are using it. Yeah, I th this is one of the things. I think... Um, 
you'll get you'll get brands that are brave and they will say this is a new technology we're going to we're really going to go at this you know here's a here's three four five hundred thousand dollars to do something really epic but we haven't come across one of those yet unfortunately um the clients you know a, a lot of our clients they do understand it they really love the technology but it's almost a lot of people will say, oh, you know, we kind of want to dip our toes in the water. And, and luckily for us, dipping a toe in for some of the businesses is around that kind of fifty dollars to $70,000 mark. So we're getting to also, I suppose, finesse what we do, working with these clients at the same time, because every project that we do, you come up against new challenges that you haven't come up against before. And we're always trying to make things better and trying to make things more real and feel more real and make them more comfortable for people. So it's, um, it's a learning curve for us so again yeah it's like my previous role you know it's it's getting paid to do uh research and r&d i suppose a lot of the time but it's gone i'm making this sound really bad like we don't know what we're doing no we do know what we're doing it's not research <laughs> we did the research at the start we know what we're doing but you know what i mean it's it's one of those things you it's, it's the same in any you know even when you're doing um traditional digital stuff it's kind of you'll come up against things because of what the client wants and what you want to achieve you'll come up against a challenge that you've never had to face before yeah. um, there's always always new challenges yes yes definitely yeah. <laughs> so what are i'm trying to imagine so what are some of the ways that customers experience vr so there's you know i know that on facebook sometimes you'll see these 360 videos i suppose at conferences and stuff you can you know you can showcase your product or an experience with vr are there other ways of experiencing VR that, that um, brands can use? Yeah, so the main distribution channels are the kind of the, I suppose, the pro-level hardware. So things like the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, those kind of the uh, PlayStation VR now as well. So really good headsets that you can buy. They're, they're not cheap. You know, a, a headset is, what, around about like $800. Then you need a decent PC to run it. Um, so you're probably looking at around about $2,000 or something for a home setup. So each of these setups as well, these brands, so Oculus and HTC, they have their own platform. So a little bit like you've got you know, your Apple App Store and then you've got your Google Play Store for Android. It's the same with these. You have the Steam platform for um, Oculus. You have um, HTC's platform as well. PlayStation has its own platform. So if people have these headsets, then they can download experiences, they can download games, they can watch a video via the YouTube 360 apps for each of these platforms. Um, so that's doing it at home. If you don't have a VR headset, then you can um, do a lot of things just using a tablet or a smartphone. There's the Google Cardboard headset, which is the newer ones are pretty good actually they're not they're nowhere near the, the level of the the kind of you know the 800 dollars headsets but um, for a piece of cardboard and plastic they're actually very very good so a lot of brands are using those they're branding them up um having an app that you can download or just pointing you to a youtube link where you can um load a video up and go into kind of google cardboard mode um which which is quite a good experience yeah that's actually, that's kind of my the extent of my vr experience because i have one of those cardboard head sets that you slip your phone into and then you can um, look at a VR app. Yeah, so they're—I mean—they're not too bad. I mean, you, if you're picking up a cardboard box and putting it on your face, you know, you're, you're never going to think <laughs> you're never going to think this is going to be the the best thing ever. You know, it's you—you've got to kind of go into it in the right frame of mind, thinking, okay, well, this is just going to be a, an interesting way of viewing some content. But it's it's the experience of what you see which gives the wow factor. Um, I hate the term wow factor, but it does give that wow factor. Um, you know, you, you see people when they finally understand that they can turn their heads around 
and see behind them or see above them and down below them, you know, it suddenly it becomes this really engaging thing. And they kind of almost don't care that the the viewing experience itself isn't crystal clear quality, you know. So um so there's those ways. But what we kind of say to a lot of our clients is let's take the hardware to the people. So um, let's get over that barrier. And by doing that at trade shows, doing it in retail spaces, it might be pop-ups, pop-up installations in shopping malls, for example, where people are then able to come and they're able to experience something. And it's kind of educating them on, oh, wow, this is what VR is about. It's doing a good job for the client in promoting their brand and people seeing them as an innovative forward-thinking brand um, so it kind of works really well for everybody involved one of the questions i always like to ask the people that i interview is what's a big mistake that was made um or you're one of the biggest mistakes you've made in um starting immersive vr something um god it's a tough question it's like that job interview question about what's your biggest weakness <laughs> instead of saying i don't know <laughs> you got to turn I'll it into try, a positive oh gosh yeah <laughs> should have set myself up for this one um Maybe maybe not going for more investment in the first place. I know I said earlier I didn't really need any more than we did, but I kind of think that having seen how successful we've been with the size team that we've had and the fact that we grew organically pretty much from, um, you know, after that initial amount of investment was, was kind of gotten out of the way at the beginning, all of our um, employee growth has been based on the growth of, you know, the, the revenue that's been coming in and the clients that we've got. Um, I do kind of think that, if we would have gone for more investment up front so that we could have had a bigger team at the start, I think we could have been a lot further ahead than where we are right now. But that's the thing. I didn't have a crystal ball <laughs> at the time to see that that was going to happen. Of course. So, um, but yeah, I would say that's probably it. Because apart from that, um, touch wood, everything's gone really well. And you know, we're ahead of where we thought we would be at this stage. We've worked with much bigger brands than we thought we'd have worked with at this stage as well. So yeah, that's that's probably it. Just... Maybe I should have, yeah, we should have maybe been a little bit braver at the start, gone for bigger investment, built a big team straight off the bat, and um, yeah, we'd all be retired and living on yachts now, maybe, but uh, we'll see. Never mind. That can still happen. I'm I'm only 36. It's all right. Um, so how many clients are usually sort of managing at one time? At the moment, I think it's it's a little bit crazy. I think we've got... um, seven or eight live projects on the go and when there's only 11 of you that's quite you know it's quite quite tough and i say there's 11 of us there's actually two people that haven't started yet they've um, they've accepted job offers and they're starting in the new year with us so there's actually only nine of us that are working on these projects at the moment so yeah i mean it, it it's been quite consistent i would say anywhere between yeah anywhere between five to seven projects kind of consistently on the go so Ellie, who is our um, production manager, she has a great time <laughs> managing everybody's work workflows for sure. Um, <laughs> she's having quite the, probably the the most difficult job at the lot of us, but it's 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 a bit of a juggling act. Um, which goes back to my previous answer: we need more people, and I should have gone for more people. So um, yeah, <laughs> you know, we always think of it here at Murmur Creative. We've got the you know the makers and the managers. The the managers are also makers, <laughs> but like we have the people who are totally dedicated to doing the creative work, and then we have the people who are trying to manage the creative work, the project managers and the owner and myself, who sort of balance between managing stuff and doing creative work. What what does that sort of look like at, at Immersive VR? I suppose it's not that it's not that different, really, because um, you're you're a similar sized team to us. Is that right? I think. Yeah, we're eleven people. Mm-hmm. Eleven people. Okay, so yeah, you know what it's like when you're. 
when you're that size, everyone kind of has to chip in. And um, I've just hired a, a business development manager who's going to start in the new year, which will kind of be able to pull me away from that direct sales approach. You know, I'm not, I don't cold call people all day, every day. Um, we've got it to the point now where we're actually having people calling us, which is nice. And we do a lot of work with other creative agencies and PR agencies who are wanting their clients to do VR. They think it's a good thing for them to do, but they don't do it in-house, so they're partnering up with us. So I'm kind of managing, I'm acting more as, a, I suppose, an accounts director, a relationship manager more than anything, and then doing the boring stuff like paying the salaries and inputting receipts so that our accountants can do their jobs properly, that kind of thing. We have the developers and then we have the kind of the creatives. So uh, we have a creative director. Uh, we have a, a couple of uh, video production specialists. We have a couple of 3D modelers. modelers. Then we have a production manager and we have a head of creative content who kind of oversees all of the projects from, uh, I suppose, a, a quality control point of view. But he's very, very up, up on the tech and what's available and what the latest plugins are for all the different bits of software. So he's kind of working in, in that respect. But I mean, my, my background as well in uh, was in sales, then in digital. And I was a designer, graphic designer for about eight years and a creative director for about three years. So yeah, there's times when I have to jump back into Photoshop and try and remember all my shortcuts so that I can <laughs> help knock up nice looking presentations. I'm, I'm like an expert in keynote on the Mac now and just like a, a wizard at it. But um, yeah, kind of everything else. If you, if you, you know what it's like, uh, you, you forget how to do these things. I used to be able to like code a WordPress theme from scratch and the other day i sat there struggling to remember how to change the weight of a font in my um style sheet it's just like <laughs> it's been too long so um uh but yeah it's it's just it, it's almost like a, a regular um digital agency in our setup i suppose it's we don't do without anything that that different really it's kind of you have your technical people you have your creative people and then you have your people that are bringing the business in and managing the accounts so you said you work with uh you work with a lot of other creative agencies or some other creative agencies that it seems like that makes sense since you're so specialized that building those sort of relationships would be valuable that's right yeah we um we kind of made a decision early on that we wouldn't white label our service though we we kind of didn't see the point in just being a production house and never being able to use those creds and I suppose improving the portfolios of businesses that we'll eventually come up against in a pitch and they'll win the pitch off the back of the work that we did. <laughs> so we kind of said earlier, we, we kind of make it quite clear when another another agency, whether it's a PR agency or a, a creative agency calls us um, says, you know, we have a client, they want to do something in VR or 360 video or AR. The first thing I, I, I tell them is that we don't white label our service and we will, we're happily partner up with them, but we will want production creds. We'll want to be able to have a case study out of it. We'll want to be able to put a portfolio piece on our website and we want the client to have visibility of who we are. We sign NDAs, we sign contracts to say, you know, we won't approach those clients directly, but uh, I think, you know, it, it makes sense to me and I've never really understood the whole point of, uh, you know, behind agencies lying to their clients saying that they do something when they don't because they'll only trip up when the client asks them a question that they can't answer um, and then they have to come to us. Or, or the, the worst thing is the, you know, the other agency come up with a terrible idea and then they go and pitch it into the client without even asking us whether it's 
it's feasible and then they look stupid when they ask us and we say that's not even possible or it'll be a terrible idea or all of their customers will be throwing up in buckets you know and they'll they've already promised it to the client you know it's, it's quite difficult so we kind of say get us involved as early as, as early as you're happy to in the project we'll happily come up with concepts to help you win the work because again it benefits us so we do quite a lot of work up front on behalf of other agencies to win work with their clients which maybe sounds crazy but it's it works pretty well with you know for us um we've had quite a good success rate with that as well and because we work in this stuff all day every day we generally know the best uses of it we know how to get the best results so we're quite good at coming up with concepts to do that yeah we 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 do mostly just direct client work but we have some friend agencies and we've we did have someone ask us to sort of white label some of our services and we ended up not doing that because i mean really our bread and butter is people seeing our work, you know, our agency being very design focused, we want everyone to see, you know, how beautiful our work is. And honestly, it kind of feels strange to give someone else that work and have them say it's theirs. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I know it happens in all kinds of industries, doesn't it? But yeah, I just I've never seen. Well, I suppose it depends how how badly you're doing and uh, how much money you you know if you're running out of money then maybe you'd do it you know to to save save the business but i think um it, like you said the power of any agency is its portfolio that's what gets you the work and you know ahead of the people because if someone doesn't know you personally or has never spoken to you the first thing they're going to do is look on your website and see what you've done before and if you've got a, you know a couple of projects but another agency down the road is uh a brilliant project that you did you know then it, it just doesn't make any sense so it's a it's a tough it's, but it's a tough one when you've got maybe a, a big agency approaching you and they're saying there's a really big budget for this but but you've got to white label you know then you have to see whether you want to stick to your guns and and be true to yourself or or whether you just want to take the money and run right right i'm not totally sure we're beyond <laughs> it but <laughs> we haven't been offered that no. huge sum yet so i guess i shouldn't i shouldn't act all no, high no, and yeah, we'll just edit this bit out of the um out of the interview then we'll be a, we can both change our minds it's all right <laughs> So what are your what are your goals for the future? What are, what are you sort of expecting to happen in the next next year or two? Well, we see. Um, I think augmented reality is kind of it's going to push ahead of VR. Everybody's saying that. All the industry experts are saying that. Um, the tech manufacturers are kind of saying that, and we've thought that for quite a while. So we're probably going to find that. Our, our bread and butter business at the moment, which is 360 video, we're doing way more of that than we are the fully interactive stuff. I think that that's going to start to um, take a bit of a sidestep. I think you'll get a lot more people, um, kind of like the what you know, one man bands or a man, one man and his camera, kind of turning up and being able to do some quite nice stuff with 360 video as the cameras get better and cheaper. And you know, your, your big global clients will never stop using you and start using a, a a guy who's going out on his own charging you know two hundred dollars a day or something but you will find there's that mid-level of business that kind of just wants something quick um and then they'll start to use people like that so i, I see that that will kind of move aside and then you've got augmented reality with the, the push of like the microsoft hololens you've got the meta 2 coming out or i think it's available on pre-order now there's a few other companies like epsom and and then magic leap obviously that are looking at the ar stuff in a big big way that's probably going to start to steer our business a little bit more but i mean our, from an aspirational point of view we want to i want to continue to grow the team i like employing people there isn't really a hierarchy in our company at all you know it's it's an open plan 
studio space with a separate glass panelled meeting room at one end and we all sit together we all chat together um, we get everyone involved in you know in the creative side of things when a new project's coming on board or a new client we all sit together around the table and discuss ideas we're very open with everyone in the business about um, how much our projects are worth and that kind of thing as well you know we don't hide numbers from them and uh, I you know I want to continue to grow that team probably need new premises we've only been in these ones since September but we're starting to get a little bit shoehorned in there we need <laughs> probably need a little bit more space but yeah I want to grow the business I want to um, I want us to, to continue to work with the level of brands that we're working with and um and just yeah, make it make it even more successful than it is now. I know that's generally most people's view, I suppose. You get people that some people that want to stay at a certain size, and I've I've never really thought about the whole um, when does it become uncomfortable? You know, how many people you employ. I mean, I, I li- listened to um, one of your other podcasts recently with uh, Rick Webb, and I remember him saying that their salary kind of bill got to about a million dollars a month. Um, at one point, and I'm I am quite scared of that. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not I'm not sure I what. Well, that's it. no. Well, the thing is, if you've got the revenue coming in to support that, then great. But um, that sounds pretty frightening to me. Uh, then, that's a lot of responsibility to pay out that much. Yeah, and month. I think this yeah. is probably one of the things with me. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not cutthroat. You know, I don't I don't go in with the attitude of oh well, let's just hire loads of people because if if things go belly up we'll just get rid of them you know I don't have that attitude at all I want to want to if I'm hiring someone you know we think long and hard about it you know we want to be able to make sure we can support them we want to make sure that they're adding enough value to the business to warrant bringing them on board in the first place but yeah I, I do I, I I'd like to be I want to be the biggest VR studio in the UK let's just say that so um we yeah all right yeah all that's right. It. <laughs> And then the world, but yeah, we'll we'll start we'll start with this little island first. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, thanks so much for talking with me. This has been really fascinating, and uh, I feel like I have a new appreciation for uh, VR. I'm, I'm uh, I may start eyeing some headsets. <laughs> yeah, you should you should do. Yeah, there's um. They are becoming more affordable. There's some really great stuff. If you've got a PS4 sitting around at home collecting dust, then you can buy yourself a, a, a PSVR headset for that and um, start playing some good games. The new Star Wars game is epic. You can fly your X-Wing fighter and stuff. It's really cool. So um, definitely worth doing. Do you have, I always try to ask uh, uh, my guests for sort of three takeaways, things, advice you might give to other agency owners. They don't necessarily have to be in the VR space, but um, things you've sort of learned along the way. Yeah, I think um, I would suggest if you want to get into some kind of like into a specialism, you know, if you're already running a a successful shop and you want to maybe branch out into something else, um, do your research, see if you can partner up with people first. I think that's probably a a good approach. You know, don't just jump straight in. Getting into something like VR is expensive in the first place. So, yeah, you know, they can call me. We'll partner up. Remember, we don't white label, but we can uh, we can help you help your clients for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fun. Um, but no, I just I, I think there's just I think there's one, and it's just about being brave and and doing it. If you feel really passionately about something, then just go ahead and do it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? That's kind of my approach on this. It's um, if if you feel passionate about it yourself, then you should be able to get other people excited and passionate about it as well don't sit and wait because someone else will do it and then you'll kick yourself forever that's kind of a yeah that's my attitude so sorry that's not three things but i'm struggling to think of of three really good takeaway pieces 
Okay, I've got I've got number two. How about um, make sure you speak with Chris Bolton and get on his show because it's uh, a, a great way to promote your business globally. You see. <laughs> excellent excellent well great well thank you so much definitely yeah you've been listening to the creative agency podcast with your host chris bolton when he's not podcasting or being a dad he's the digital strategy director at murmur creative in portland oregon be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com 